Good to see everybody. We've um, we spent the first couple weeks in the new year looking at growth, that we can never stop growing. And we looked, looked at a couple things. We looked at growth through generosity, giving our lives, growth through serving, serving others. And today we're going to look at growth through community. I believe what makes the church so unique is that the church is a community of people with all different backgrounds, all different tastes, all different opinions, that actually we're trying to come together and get along and do something great for God. That's a miracle within itself to, to put all of us together, right? Um, and, and what we're going to look at, we're going to look at the early church. What made the early church so unique and what caused the early church to impact their world around them in the way that they did? Because I don't think we, we have an understanding of how difficult it was to get different groups together with the same vision under the unity of Christ to make this huge impact in our world. We are a product. Today, you are sitting here because the early church gave their lives to Christ and wanted to see the world around them changed with the message of Jesus Christ. And you're sitting here today because of that. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that, that God is still? Can we just thank him for that? I mean, God is still doing a work in our world today. Amen. And so, listen, we need to keep moving forward as a church. And, and listen, the reason why I want to share this um, message today, I, I think this is a vital message we need to hear in the church today, that we are focused on the same thing. There, there's a lot of things that can bring us together, some preference, preferences and dis, uh, likes and dislikes, but those aren't the things that keep the church together. We have to understand what is the thing that will keep us together, keep us unified, keep us growing individually, and keep us growing as the body of Christ. So I want to look at Acts chapter 2 um, this morning, and if you've got your your Bibles, you can look at the screens or you've got your devices or your phones. I'm going to look at Acts chapter 2. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at verses 42 through 47. And we're going to look at some key components of the early church and what made the church so powerful and, and, and making such a great impact in the world around them. And why did the early church grow so dramatically? And what specifically did they do? Because 2,000 years ago, it's no different than what we need to be doing today. And how many of us know it's just easy to get distracted? In our world today, it's so easily to get distracted with all that's going on in our world. And listen, listen, before we jump into the world, uh, into the word, we're getting ready to enter a new political cycle. Lord help us all, right? Lord help us. So we need to be focused in on what God says and what he has for the church. Amen? We, we didn't do such a great job four years ago, so let, let's, let's do better. Let's do better. Amen? All right, you guys are in. All right. You guys are correct. You guys are fired up this morning. I like it. I like it. All right, let's look at Acts chapter 2. And let's see what, what made the church so unique. Luke writing this down for us. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they, and they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all and any who had need. 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food and glad and gener- with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen to God's word. So let's unpack this. And, and I want to ask the question, first of all, this morning, what is the critical components of the early church? What were the things that marked the early church, that caused them not to even grow numerically, but grow individually and together and and make a great impact in the world around them. First of all, we can see that they they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were listening. They were being instructed on on, on what the word of the Lord was for them and what God desired for them. Everything that that Jesus instructed his his disciples, his apostles, they're now teaching their, their disciples, those who have come under the authority of Jesus Christ in bringing the church together. It also says they had fellowship together. We're going to unpack what that truly means. The church met together. They worshiped together. They took communion together. They broke bread together. They were generous with their resources. It says that they served one another. And lastly, It says that they shared the message of Christ. And we can see that many were being added daily to their numbers. Now, I want you to notice what caused the church to grow. And there's a couple of key things here that I want you to see. First of all, they grew through learning. They were devoted. Luke uses this word devoted. It's really important we understand this. He says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what that means is they were committed to understanding the gospel message. They were committed to understanding what the purpose of the church was and what the purpose of their lives were. Now, this isn't a casual thing. It wasn't, I'll do it if I feel like it. The word devoted there means consistency. It means diligence. It means to hold fast to. They held fast to these words of the apostles that Jesus gave to them to say, this is what we are to do and this is how we're to grow in the Lord. They were proactive in learning from the apostles and, 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 and th- aren't you thankful that God gives us his word? We have his written word for us today that instructs us. We believe that it's God-breathed, that it corrects, it rebukes, it trains us in all areas of righteousness. And so I'm very grateful for the word of God that we have today. And I want you to notice that it didn't stop there. It was more than just learning. But here's what they did. Not only did they learn and they were taught, but they actually did life together. They were doing this together. They did this within community. It wasn't something where they just came maybe once a week, could tuck into a church, right, and just kind of sit. Our, you know, in, in our size of a church, we have two services, so we eat. it's easy to come in and leave and really not get to know anyone. There was something unique about the early church that it says that they knew each other. They actually did life together. They put into practice what they were learning from the apostles. And and the word there is fellowship. They had fellowship with one another. And the word fellowship in the Greek is this word koinonia. And it's more than just talking about the weather or what your favorite sports team is. It's it's not that. that. That is not going to keep our church together. We can be all Bills fans here, but that's not going to necessarily unify our teams because the minute they lose, we're all going to turn our backs on each other and say how terrible they are, right? So listen, that, that's not what unifies a church. What unifies a church 
is our faith in Jesus Christ. That's paramount. That's the most important thing. And they had this fellowship together. And and I want to unpack what this word means because it's more than just talking about things that we like and our dislikes. The word is used over 20 times and it carries the meaning of honor, serving, closeness, compassion, kindness, encouragement, and admonishment. That's what it means. Koinonia means to spur one another to good works to show hospitality and to love one another it's to encourage each other in our relationships in Christ and we can't do that unless we're in community with one another community is paramount and it says that they prayed for one another and in order to do this we have to be close to each other we have to know each other's needs. We have to be a little vulnerable to share what's going on in our lives. And that's why we believe that living words, small groups are vital to your growth and the growth of the church as a whole. See, growth not only comes from learning God's word, which we do here, which is great, but growth comes through community when we're actually doing it together. See, See, the, the, the community, they sat under the word, they listened to the word, but they did life together. See, the church is so much more than just a Sunday morning thing. A church, the church, the early church, was a vital community that actually cared for one another, that knew what each other was going through. Now, I look at Sunday morning as this. It, it's it's, it's kind of, let me explain it this way. It's, Sunday morning is a face-forward event. You're all facing me. And I'm facing, right? You're just all facing me. You're facing towards the front. You're facing the worship team. We come together. It's corporate worship. It's great. We started the teaching of God's word. The worship was good today. Oh, man, God's spirit was here. It was good. It's good. Amen. Praise God for that. Um, This is great, and this is fine, but this isn't all that there is. Where we believe true growth comes from and what we see in the early church is not just face forward, but face to face. And the only way you can do face to face It's through community. It's through small groups. It's through getting to know one another. There was an article that I read. It It was called, um, What Does Community Mean? What Does Community Mean? And what it did was it looked at American individualism and the decline in the trust in American institutions. Now, this is... In our culture today, this has really, I believe, impacted the church. This individualism and this this lost thing of community. Uh, Bill Bishop was quoted in there in the article, and, and, and he says this. He says, it used to be that people were born as part of a community and had to find their place as individuals. Now people are born as individuals and have to find their community. This is so true. Let me explain it this way. I'm old, I'm 57, but I remember growing up, I knew my neighbors. Now, we grew up in a cold, you know, a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood, and so we knew our neighbors, not just our immediate neighbors, but I knew the neighbors down the street, five, six houses down. How many remember those days? How many remember being invited into your neighbor's house? I remember Miss Dugan, she'd make these great relish trays. And, and Italian cookies, and I'd be walking down and say, hey, Barden, how you doing? I'd say, Miss Dugan, she was, hey, guess what I got? i go, don't tell me. You got a Ralph's tray in there. And she'd come in, and I'd sit down. Her mom says, how, how, how'd it go? I said, oh, I was down at Miss Dugan's house. She made a Ralph's tray, made some cookies. Oh, good. Yeah, tell her I said hi next time. She said, blah, blah, blah. You know, you knew your neighbors. Now, 
you don't even know who's two doors down. It could be an axe murder for all you know. We don't know. You know, we may know our immediate neighbors. We don't, we don't know that it's just, it's just the fact. And, and I can remember being like this born into a community in my generation. Everybody went, pretty much went to church. You just, you just did. You, whether you liked it or not, you went to church, right? And so you were in this community of other people right away. Your, your neighborhood was your community. It, said, it is said now that most people don't even know the names of their great-grandparents. Don't even know the names of their great-grandparents. We've lost community. We're losing community. This is what makes the church such a wonderful, beautiful place is this sense of community that we're railing around the person of Jesus Christ that he uses us as individuals to build up the body of Christ. I want you to understand this morning, you are important to the body of Christ. God has gifted you to help build up the body. And the only way we grow is when we step into the, and the way the church grows is when we step into this role of seeing the importance of the community of Jesus Christ. When I first got saved, just, just getting ready to turn 16, um, I was part of a youth group. When I first came to Christ, I was part of a youth group. And it was its own small community of about 100 teenagers. It, it blew my mind because I was part of other teams, swim teams, tennis teams, other teams. But this was different. This community actually cared about me and what I was going on. They prayed for me. We held, we held Christ together. We encouraged each other. It wasn't a perfect place, but it was a community that I grew in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it, was, it, was, it came about by having relationships with other people and growing together. And that's where my closest friends were. So, so when I, I went to a public high school, so when I would go to school, it, 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 my community was my church. Not that I didn't care about my school or people coming to Christ, but, but my community became my youth group. And it was so foundational at my early, my early time of, of coming to Christ and growing in him. And I have such fond memories about that. We're, 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 if we learned anything from COVID, it was, it was that isolation is not good. That we need each other. I shared this story earlier, and I just want to share it again because it, just, it came back to my memory again when I was preparing for the message. Um, a couple months ago, I had to go to, to Spectrum to change out my modem. My modem blew, and so I had to go to Spectrum. And the place was packed, and there was only two workers, and then one of the workers left, and there's like eight people waiting in line. And I didn't realize you had to go to the kiosk. So I'm looking, I'm like, I'm looking at the screen going, who's Bill, and who's John, and who's Susie? Who are you guys? And, and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, you got to check in. So by that time, three other people came in. So I'm ticked off by this point. I'm no witness for Jesus at this point. I'm just sitting there irritated because now I'm 10th in line. So I went to the kiosk, got, got my name in there, and I'm waiting there. I go, this is going to be a, a long evening. So I'm waiting there. And all of a sudden, this woman comes in, and um, I notice she's doing the exact same thing I'm doing. She's looking around, and she doesn't know what's going on. And all these other people, they're, they're there, but they're all on their phone. And there's like 10 people waiting. No one's helping her. No one's, so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to go up and, and help her. So I went up and I said, hey, I did the same thing. Are you looking for the kiosk? You got a sign. And so she goes, oh, okay. So she goes to the kiosk and she's just looking at the kiosk going. And she looks at me and I'm like, 
you want me to help you? I can help you check in. She goes, oh, would you please? Like, I got nothing better to do. I'm like 50th in line. So I'd be more than willing to help you out. So I help her check in and we just started talking. We just started chatting and um, come to find out she's retired. She was in her 70s. Um, she, um, she lived in New York City for a while. She, uh, uh, she lived in California. She went on these trips to Italy. So we got talking about all these things and we talked for 45 minutes just chatting. And, um, and finally my name came up and, and she looked at me at the end of our conversation And she just said, thanks for, thanks for just talking to me. And thanks for letting my time go by so quickly. I go, no, actually, I was in a bad mood, and you put me in a much better mood. And, you know, I'm going to hell in a handbasket after, you know, when I first walked in here. So thank you for, you know, helping me. But, I, you know, just talking to her, and, and you know, and, and she goes, can I give you a hug? And we hugged, and... and uh, I got in my car... And I was driving home, and I thought to myself, how isolated is our world? And how easy it is to feel alone. How easy it is to feel alone. How easy it is to feel alone even in the church. And we don't want you to feel alone here. We, we don't want you to feel like you're by yourself or, that, or that, that God does not want to use you in the gifts and talents that he's given you. We were not created to be alone. We're not created to be alone. It was not good for Adam to be alone, so God created a helper for him. Not one amen, guys. Oh my gosh, I left it wide open for you guys. Whew. You guys are in trouble, okay? Tried to help you out there, but that's all right. But listen, when we are in community... When we're truly in community and we understand that, we're here to help each other. You see, the definition of community, this is, I think this is a pretty good definition. It's a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing a com, common attitudes, interests, and goals. Which, which our attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. Our interests should be growing in Christ and our goals should be furthering God's kingdom. God's kingdom. Let, let's just... A little caveat here. Just remind yourself when, when, when it's easy to get sidetracked on everything that we're faced with in our world today, whether it's political or whatever, just think to yourself this. Is this building God's kingdom? And if it's, if it's not, put that on plan B and just put it to the side. I'm not saying don't vote or all the other stuff. I'm not saying all this, are these things are important and we shouldn't be interested in them. But for the sake of the kingdom of God and the growth of his kingdom, and the community and the fellowship and the integrity of Christ within our church, we need to consistently remind ourselves, is this building his kingdom? Just remind yourself of that. That will keep us on track. That will keep us unified and having Jesus as our goal. It's interesting, Jesus' last prayer before he goes to the cross and his resurrection, I want you to notice the thing that was most important to Jesus. Jesus understood that we would not succeed as a church unless we were in community and we walked in unity with one another. John 17, 21 records this for us in Jesus' prayer. And Jesus says this, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. 
the greatest testimony to the world that God sent his son is how we walk in community and unity with one another. Listen, we have to get community right here first. When we get this right, we'll be much more effective in the world, in our community around us. It starts here. And when we get this right, we'll be much more effective in our community around us. Let's never forget that. So how do we create a culture of unity within our church? I first want you to understand we need to see our church as a community. The church is not about doing our own thing, but doing what's best for the whole. We need each other to grow. We need each other to grow. And we can only do that when we're doing face-to-face community, face-to-face ministry. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some of you may know him, but he, 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 he was executed in a Nazi concentration camp right at the end of World War II. He's written many, many great books. Some of my favorites. One is The Cost of Discipleship. But there's another book he wrote that not many people know about. It's, it's a small book. Not, it's a, you could sit down and read it in one reading. It's called Life Together. This book is incredible. It's one of my favorite books on how the church should look as a community and how the church should operate in unity. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together says this. One of my favorite quotes from from Bonhoeffer, he says this. I love this. This is so good. And I have it for you. So look at this. This It's so good. It says, the more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. What, what, is, what is Bonhoeffer saying here? The deeper we become with one another through Christ Jesus and the more genuine we become, the little nitpicky things amongst us that aren't really that big of a deal when it comes to the kingdom of God will recede. They won't be that big of a deal. When we glorify Christ, when we're focusing on him, the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. Yes! And all these secondary issues that have nothing to pertain to salvation and our work as the church, that won't be the vital thing. The vital thing will be the work of Jesus Christ. We have one another through Christ And that's the only thing. We have one another. And only through Christ, but through Christ, we do have one another holy for eternity. Basically, what Bonhoeffer is saying is, let the main thing be the main thing. Let the main thing be the main thing. When we share the same vision, we will walk in unity. And we can work through our idiosyncrasies when Christ is the goal. So we may have different opinions about things, and that's okay, because we all have different opinions. We all have our likes and dislikes. That's okay. But we can work through those things. And we can say, you know what? I can still love you, and I can forgo some of my liberties as for the betterment of the whole body. But the one thing is, is Christ being glorified in our midst? Are we seeking him and what he desires for our church and for our world? Listen, your way might not be the only way or even the best way. You know, I try to tell this to guys that, and, 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 you know, our missions team, when we go, guys and girls that, that go on our missions team, and we, 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 sometimes we do, you know, we work on 
construction and, and sometimes we do buildings and you go to different countries in Central America and, and, and we've been to so many and you go there and they might do it differently. And I tell the guys that are there on that trip, the ladies that are on the trip that are working on the job site or, or even on ministry. I said, we may have one way of doing it, but let's do it their way. Let's ask them. We're just here to serve you. And um, if you have a different way of mixing cement, and usually 99.99% of the time, they do it way easier than we do it. So they just know, right? And it, it's, it's, their, it's, it's the understanding that we're there to serve. That, that the bigger picture is not whether you mix the cement perfectly the way you wanted it, but the bigger picture is what are we mixing the cement for? So I can forgo some of the ways that we mix the cement to forgo that, knowing that the purpose is, is to build a church so that the word of God is proclaimed and that people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the vision. And I think sometimes as a church, people listen to me, we can get really short-sighted sometimes and get caught up on all these peripheral things that it loses our way for the ultimate vision is to see hearts one to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's never forget that. Let's be loving towards each other. Let's, let's work through each other's idiosyncrasies. If, yeah, we're going to have to deal with problems. Of course, every church deals with problems. The early church dealt with problems. But are we doing it in love and truth? Let's always remember that. Have you ever shared with someone something that you liked and someone didn't have the same opinion as you? Do you remember how you just worked through that with love and didn't care at all? Right? No. Remember when you got offended? Right? I mean, I broke a friendship with someone because they didn't like uh, the first Rocky movie. No, I'm totally serious. I did. I unfriended them. No, I'm teasing. I didn't. I didn't. Right? But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. What amazes me is when we can love each other even when we may not like the same things or forgo our preferences for the sake of Christ in his name. And when I say preferences, I mean style of worship or music or color of the carpet, whatever those things might be. You see, what I want us to concentrate on as a church is how are we doing at building the community here at Living Word? How are are we doing at building up one another and encouraging one another? to be what Christ wants them to be. How, how, are we, how do we do that? Well, we do that through small groups. That's what we believe. We believe it's through small groups. And, and here's the reason why. Because, because this is where you grow through relationships and we'll never personally grow unless we're tested. And relationships will test us. Amen? <laughs> like nothing else. Our love grows when we are tested to love those who may not agree with us. See, we choose to love someone that doesn't agree with our preferences. That's where our love truly grows deep for one another. That we can walk with each other. That we may not see eye to eye, but for the sake of Christ and for the sake of his kingdom, we can say, you know what, that's okay. You don't like the Rocky movie? You don't know what you're talking about, but that's okay. I still love you. You don't like the bills? That's okay. You like whoever you want. We still love each other, right? See, here's the thing. Let us never divert from our ultimate calling. 
Let's never divert from that, which is the building of God's kingdom. We started a, a, a 10-week small group last, last year called Rooted. And so far, we've had 170 people go through that 10-week experience. And um, the testimonies through that, the stories that have come out of that has been amazing. And the, and the one common thing that has come out of those small groups, which has helped expand our acts, small groups, home fellowship groups, more and more groups are starting because of that, which is wonderful, and, and, and we'd love to see that. But one of the common testimonies, common stories I hear, I hear, I hear, is so many people were apprehensive to go into a group because they just weren't sure. Some were like, you know, I, I don't know a lot of, about the Bible, you know, is that place for me? 100%. Some people were like, well, I didn't think a small group would be for me because I've been in the church for so long, blah, blah, blah. And then some people would go into a rooted group and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been in the church all my life pretty much. And going to this small group has really helped me get to know other people in the church that I didn't know about. I didn't know about their stories. I didn't know about what they've gone through. And seeing people go through this and then connect together and seeing you grow and connect with other people and being prayed for and cared for is making an impact in our church. Because you're not seeing a church as simply a place I go to. You are now seeing the church as my community that I'm growing in because there's other people around me that have the same struggles, that have the same issues, and they still love me. That's why the early church grew. They got it. And I want you to know that we love you and I want us to see our church as a community of people that come together with all kinds of backgrounds, all messy stuff, whatever it may be, that we come together to grow in Christ Jesus and to make an impact for our world. And we're all at different levels, aren't we? We're all at different levels. Doesn't matter. We're all in it together. We're all in it to help each other grow. We have a rooted group starting next month, so we'd love for you, if you've not gone through a group yet, we'd love for you to go to a group and we'll have sign-ups coming next month and we'd love for you to be part of that. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I feel part of the community at Living Word? And if not, ask yourself, why don't I feel part of the community at Living Word? And I want to encourage you Maybe you got hurt in past churches. Maybe you got hurt from past relationships. I I don't know what maybe necessarily your individual story is, but I want you to know this. I want you to know this. There's a place for you. And ask yourself, why aren't taking that next step to plug into a small group? And we would love to encourage you to take that next step to connect to a small group. Because I believe this with all my heart. When we get community right, we will do a much better job at reaching our community. When we do this right and strive to do this right, boy, we'll do a great job, a better job, a more significant job at reaching our community for Christ. And we want you to be part of that. So we're going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to shut up and move on with the service. I talked way too long. But I want to encourage you, just encourage you to say, I'm going to plug in. I'm going to take that next step. 
And and if you have any apprehensions, I will I will get you in contact with someone that's gone through a small group. And they'll share the same thing with you. That God did a great work in their hearts too. And he wants to do that in your heart too. And I just see it. I see it all the time. And I'm thankful for it. So I want to pray for you. And can we pray for our church that Christ would be the center, that we would guard our hearts against non-essential things that, that, that are not part of building God's kingdom. Can we, can we pray that together? God, guard our hearts. And that, and that we would strive for love with each other, truth and love. And that we would allow these secondary issues not to be the driving force, but we would allow Christ and Christ alone to be the driving force of all we do. And, um, and we would do that in love and that we would grow with one another. So that's my prayer for you. Amen. I love you guys. Let me pray for you. All right, let me pray for you. So the worship team comes on up. Father God, we need you. And we see in our world today how easy it is to feel alone, to feel isolated. It's easy in our world just to pick sides and to be divided over things that really at the end of the day, really don't matter. God, help us in our own hearts to strive after you, Jesus. Not to, not to go to the right or the left, but to, to stay focused on you and your calling in our individual lives and your calling to the church overall. And that's to build your kingdom. And, 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 to, and to honor and to answer the prayer of Jesus that we would walk in unity so that the world would know you, Jesus, and why you sent him. So help us as a church, protect us. Protect the integrity of our church, Lord, as we strive for you. In our individual lives, in our small groups, in the ministries, all that we do and say, may we strive after you, Jesus. And may we help each other and love each other through all our differences. In our and, and the things that we may not even have, a, or we may have opinions on, or we disagree with, help us to love each other through all of that, and that Christ would be glorified most of all. So I thank you for your word today. I thank you for this church. I thank you for using this church for your glory, God. We love you. We thank you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful, wonderful name. And all God's children said, Amen. "Can we thank God for His word today? Thankful for the Lord today. Amen. Amen." Amen.